True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball today on April 29th. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White today on the show. We had some pitchers get back on track. We'll talk about those week five sleepers, two star pitchers, and much more. But first, even before we get to Oh My Goodness Gracious, welcome back. Welcome back is in order for Ronald Acuna Jr. Three weeks into the season, he is back on Thursday, goes one for four, two strikeouts, but two steals already. Are you kidding me? Scott, <laughs> this guy looks healthy. He looks good. And honestly, hopefully he can be the start of the return to offense in fantasy baseball because it was great to see him back on the field. Yeah, it was great to see him back for sure. Uh, turns out more than a week sooner than expected, which, yeah. I, I, I think we saw that coming, right? <laughs> even when they announced, uh, even before he began his minor league rehab assignment, right? It's like, eh, you're really going to need three weeks. That seems excessive. And so he's back. And the fact he's running, I think, is a good sign for that knee. If, if you were worried that any skill would be diminished after a torn ACL, it would be what he does on the base paths, obviously a big part of what he provides in fantasy. Of course, now the line from the Braves is that he's not going to be ready to play every day yet. In fact, I one of the beat writers was tweeting out they're not expecting him to be ready to play every day until a year after the surgery, which would be in July sometime. But, of course, there's the DH and the NL now. I'm not sure I really believe them about that either. We'll, we'll see when the, the Friday lineups come out if he's in it. He's not supposed to be in it. But if if he is in it, DH or otherwise, uh, I, I think you're I think that's a pretty good early indication that they're not going to stick to that uh that that line about him not playing every day yet. Yeah, come on. I mean, the guy was playing the minors, he probably wasn't playing every day there, but he's running, he looks healthy. I get it. This is one of the most prized assets in 
real life baseball and fantasy baseball. I understand why they would want to be cautious with him. But hey, don't look now. The Braves are kind of off to a weird start right now. It's a long season. I'm sure they'll be fine, but they could use Ronald Acuna's bat in the lineup. The rest of season projections, according to Steamer over on Fangraphs, have Ronald Acuna at 32 homers and 27 steals. Scott, for fun, let's just say I set the over-under at 59 and a half home runs and steals combined. From here until the rest of the season, would you take the over-under for Ronald Acuna? That sounds high to me. That sounds high. That sounds high. I'm not saying it's impossible, but you know, usually when you're projecting something, you, 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 you'll want to make the, the, the estimate a little on the conservative side. You know, he, he has only missed what, though? Three and a half weeks? Or, or you know, the season started on a Thursday. So I guess three, three weeks, weeks. exactly, yeah. Three weeks. Which isn't really that much. Over. He's going over, Scott. 24 a- homers and 17 seals in 82 games last year. He's a freak, man. Yeah, but what if he's not playing every day for two months? I mean, I could see it maybe for the first couple of weeks, but man, by the time by the time we get to late May, this he's playing every day. I I, I think he is, but what do I know? You're probably right. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm with you. I'll take the over. I'm with you, Frank. Yes, for the first time ever, Scott is with me. <laughs> Speaking of young studs stealing bases, I just wanted to highlight this because I was pretty blown away when I actually saw Julio Rodriguez leads baseball in stolen bases. One for three with two more steals on Thursday. Now has eight steals again that leads baseball slowly coming around. He has seven hits over his last six games. Strikeouts are still an issue. He has at least one strikeout in every game but one. But when he gets on base, he has the green light and he's been successful so far. So you love to see that from J-Rod and his counterpart, his rookie counterpart, Bobby Witt. Uh, also now on a seven-game hitting streak since being dropped in the order. Nine hits, three steals during that time. He stole another base on Thursday. You love to see it from the youngsters. Anyway, that was all ahead of Oh My Goodness Gracious. Take it away, Susan. Oh my good goodness gracious! All right, Scott, what made you say Oh My Goodness Gracious on Thursday? Well, what made me say Oh My Goodness Gracious wasn't anything that happened on the Field and it's probably going to be a pretty short conversation, but Adalberto Mondesi, with the torn ACL, already, already out for the season. When 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 the knee injury first happened, it seemed like they were downplaying. Oh, I saw maybe he'll go on the IL, maybe he won't. Torn ACL, done. He gave you five steals. Hopefully, hopefully that wasn't one steal per round. Hopefully, you drafted him a little later than that. Because that's all you're getting from him. It's over already. And you know, you always you always feel like you should have seen it coming. But man, you only have two ACLs to tear. Like, like at some oh, point, like how many how many ways can it go wrong? You know? Yeah, frustrating. It's rough. Sure. It's rough. I feel so bad for the guy too. It's just he cannot stay on the field. Again, this is Adalberto Mondesi, torn ACL out for the rest of the season. Somebody asked me earlier on Thursday morning, Scott, if if they can drop Mondesi in a, I believe, a 10-team categories dynasty league. What do you think about that? Probably not. It'd be easier to say no if it was deeper than 10 teams. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't a categories league. Yeah, probably not. Probably need to hold on to him in that format. All right. Well, 
On to next year. Let's see uh, what Mondesi does, I guess, in spring training, or we'll probably read something about what he's doing in winter ball, and we'll get excited, and he'll be a top seven-round pick again, somehow, some way. Uh, oh, oh, my goodness gracious for me. Zach Wheeler, nice little bounce back. Actually, it was a very good bounce back. His best start of the season up against the Rockies. The game was in Philadelphia, so you get the Rockies on the road, but they've been playing pretty good on the road. Six shutout innings for Zach Wheeler. One hit, four walks, seven strikeouts. 11 swinging strikes on 90 pitches in this one. He only allowed two hard hit balls. Don't love to see that the velocity still is not up where it was last year, Scott. He was sitting 95 miles per hour with the fastball. Last year, that was 97 for Zach Wheeler. But slowly, the results are starting to come back. The walks here are not great, but strikeouts, you love to see it. Uh, limiting the hard contact. I think we're slowly coming around here with Zach Wheeler. Remember, he didn't have a spring training, so <laughs> this is basically his spring training. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was a little disappointed that the velocity ha- didn't climb anymore from the previous start. It did improve last time out, but it's still more than a mile per hour short of where it was last year. And so I, I hope he's not plateauing. But other than the four walks, the results were good, and... You know, I, I, I choose to be encouraged by it, I would say. Makes sense to me. Uh, I would assume that we're starting him next week at home against the Texas Rangers. Yep. The Texas Rangers, by the way, for the big bats that they brought in, Corey Seager and Marcus Semien, not that they're doing anything right now, uh, they are a team that you want to throw your pitchers against. Uh, against the Rangers are 29th in weighted on base average against right-handed pitching this season. So make sure Zach Wheeler is back in your lineups next week. Let's take a look at a few other pitchers, Scott, who got back on track. Freddie Peralta, now two strong starts in a row. This one at the Pirates, six shutout innings, three hits, zero walks to seven strikeouts. And then Trevor Rogers also makes it two strong starts in a row after that blow-up start he had uh, his second start of the season at the Nationals in this one. Six innings, one run, four strikeouts to two walks. It wasn't a standout performance, and the fastball velocity was actually down one mile per hour for Trevor Rogers. but the results are there for both him and Freddie Peralta. What'd you see? There's there's a couple weird things going on with both of these guys. Kind of like with Rogers, or kind of like with Wheeler, I should say. I'm not, I'm not totally, like, relieved, and okay, there's... You know, it's it's going to be smooth sailing from here. Of course, I had concerns about Trevor Rogers coming into the season. Uh, but the swinging strike rate has been pretty unimpressive so far, as it was down the stretch last year. And the changeup in particular has been such a critical pitch for him to this point in his career. It just It just isn't playing the same. Eight, eight of his nine swinging strikes in this one were on pitches other than the changeup. I guess the easier way to say that was he had one swinging strike on the changeup today. And uh, Freddie Peralta, it's, it's kind of a similar story. His slider, really both of his breaking balls, to the extent he has two different ones, it played a lot better last year. It was getting a lot more whiffs, like a big discrepancy in that rate early on, including in this start. Like he's really just doing it with the fastball right now. And... I don't think that's going to be a formula for success over the whole season. And I'm not saying like it's time to panic and and move Freddie Peralta and Trevor Rogers, but I think it's still up in the air. If, if, if they're totally fine, if they're going to be who you drafted them to be, 
I, I, so, you know, whatever you decide to do with them, that's, that's what you have to keep in mind. And I see similarities between the two, Scott, because they're both young-ish starting pitchers who obviously nobody threw much in the short in 2020. And then both of these guys saw a pretty big increase in their workload last year. And yeah, again, being as young as they are, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty taxing. And now they're coming off of that. So how does the body respond? How, how do the pitches respond? How, uh, how crisp are those pitches? And, and right now you make a good point because I just looked up those exact pitches. Trevor Rogers' changeup. The swinging strike rate is 12.5%. That was entering Thursday. Last year, it was 19%. And Freddie Peralta's slider, entering Thursday, 7.8% swinging strike rate. Last year, that was 20%. So Big difference. Yep. Yeah, massive, massive yeah. difference for those guys right now. And, and another thing worth pointing out is that it hasn't been talked about so much because the the focus has been on offense and, and how, how, how offense is down around the league here in April. Strikeouts are down around the league too, which particularly if you're comparing it to last April, April is usually the worst month for strikeouts. It's usually the worst month for offense, but compared to last April, strikeouts are down and that's after decades and decades of strikeouts rising every year. That trend is appears to be reversed here early on. And, you know, I've, I've noticed with particular pitchers like Alec Manoa has been great this year and the swing strike rate's great. He has exactly a strikeout per inning, which you want to think of as a great strikeout rate. You know, uh, Michael Kopech has less than a strikeout per inning. And there, there are tons of examples like that where you think of big strikeout guys who have big stuff and their strikeout rates. You, you look at them and it's just like, you know, I, I expect it to be higher than that. Uh, so I don't know exactly what to make of that. Uh, particularly since hitters are struggling so much, it's, it's not because they're not putting the bat on the ball. One thought that occurred to me is, well, strikeouts declined after the sticky substance ban went into effect last year. This is the first April we're seeing with it in effect and them cracking down even more because they're checking the actual hands of the pitchers as they, as they walk off the mound as opposed to just their belts and hats and places where they may normally hid sticky substance. They're just going straight to the hand. So even less they can get away with. And maybe that's having an impact. I don't know. Maybe baseball's not as crazy as we think it is. Like <laughs> they're going about it, about these changes in kind of a piecemeal fashion with the, the deadened balls and, and the six sticky substance band and a couple next year, we're going to get the, 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 the infield shift band ban, you know, in concert, you could see how this could all add up to making it less, making it no longer a three true outcomes game, getting back to the preferred aesthetic of fielding plays and people running around the bases. You know, I'm not saying the rollout of this new ball has gone great. There's, there definitely seems like there are things that can be tweaked, but three years from now, we may, it may be a sport with a better aesthetic. They, they may have, they may have fixed a lot of what ailed it. It's just, it's just painful getting there. I hope you're right, Scott, because I am tired of talking about a new ball, a new environment, sticky substances every single year. It's, you know, we've got some new kind of wacky change that we have to work into our analysis. And look, I'm not complaining about it. It's part of the job. 
I love doing this. You love doing this, but it, it makes Go it hard. Go ahead and complain. It makes it hard, it's Scott. Crazy. It's, it does it make it hard. look like idiots. <laughs> it's hard, and You man. know what? Maybe we are. Oh, man. You, you mentioned Alec Manoa. Let's talk about a few uh, studs being studs. Pitcher edition. Manoa, four straight quality starts to open the season. This one against the division rival Boston Red Sox. Seven shutout innings, three hits, one walk, seven strikeouts here. Justin Verlander. Ho-hum, three straight quality starts for him. Two going seven-plus innings. His ERA is 1.73. His whip, 0.69. Velocity on all of his pitches up on Thursday. I know we said this about Carlos Rodon the other day, Scott, but like Rodon might be start for start in the discussion for the best pitcher in baseball. If Justin Verlander is just Justin Verlander, he's probably in that discussion as well. So he's looked awesome. And then your boy, Kyle Wright, just... Another one as well. Three straight, uh, third quality start in his first four. His third straight start with eight plus strikeouts for Kyle Wright. This was the first time we kind of saw the walks get in the way. Four walks to eight strikeouts, but seven innings, one run ball. uh, The ground ball rate up this season for Kyle Wright just continues to look like that breakout candidate. What'd you see from Wright, Manoa, Verlander? So your point about Verlander is well taken. And, you know, if we're just talking who's going to have the best fantasy season. Yeah, I mean, it could be Verlander. Verlander has the advantage over those two, Burns and Rodon, in terms of expected workload. Even coming back from Tommy John surgery, I don't don't expect it to limit him much. You know, it's more of a pitch-for-pitch thing. Burns and Rodon probably put him ahead of of Verlander in terms of how good they are pitch-for-pitch. But yeah, Verlander's been great. Top 10, maybe top 5. Rest of way is how I'd rank him. Uh, Manoa, I mentioned the strikeout rate is a little disappointing, but he's not alone in that regard. And and right continues to continues to look like somebody you're glad you picked up in week one. One hundred percent. I mean, if he is not the biggest breakout so far, I don't know who is. I mean, I'm sure I'm forgetting someone right now, but Kyle Wright has been awesome. Scott, I saw you move him up to SP36 in your rankings. I have him at 43. Probably deserves to move up a little bit. Um, Chris has him inside of his top 40. Again, that is Kyle Wright. Uh, I've got Manoa at SP20, Scott. Any thought to move him up even further? I know you have him at uh, 26. Not a huge disparity, obviously. I'd have to look at who I have right ahead of him. So you've got uh, Darvish, Kershaw, Musgrove, Peralta, Barrios. I feel like I have a Manoa about as high as I can have him because I'm not ready. Like I haven't soured on any of those top 25 types coming in like Darvish and Kershaw who are right ahead of him. So I'm not saying Manoa can't crack that group, but mm-hmm. I'm not ready to do that yet with him. All right. Yeah, I mean, really, the difference is you have him at the bottom of that tier. I have him at the top of that tier. So I, I love what I've seen from him uh, thus far. Let's talk about some hitters, Scott. Alec Bohm, some waiver wire hitters at that. Alec Bohm goes one for four with his second home run of the season. He is 64% rostered, six home games next week. Would you consider Alec Bohm a must-add hitter right now, playing every day? Well, I mean, the fact he plays third base... There is somebody in your league who should probably be not just rostering Bone, but starting him because third base is terrible. And as somebody who just lost at Alberto Mondesi in a 16-team league, I don't know what to do about it. 
Mahomes already gone. I'd have to pick up Patrick Wisdom or something. I don't know. Uh, yeah, no, Bohm is hitting the ball incredibly hard. His strikeout rate is about half of what it was last year, which is more in line with what we expected all along. We expected him to be a good contact hitter, great on-base skills. He had a home run today, obviously. I think that's still the biggest question because he doesn't put the ball in the air a lot, but if he hits it hard enough, it may not matter. He he may have a high enough home run to fly ball rate that he, he emerges as true standout at third base. I think I think he's one of the most interesting hitter pickups if he is still available in your league. Again, that is Alec Bohm. Let's talk about a few outfielders, Scott. And we were talking beforehand, every day, it seems like there's so many outfielders emerging that we need to talk about who are available in a good amount of CBS leagues. So on Thursday, the names that we have, Brandon Marsh, we keep talking about Taylor Ward, rightfully so. Taylor Ward has been awesome. Brandon Marsh, very quietly, has been very good as well. Three for four. With an RBI, he picked up his third steal of the season. He's batting 340. Strikeout rate is down. Line drive rate is ridiculous right now for Brandon Marsh. A few other names. Andrew Benintendi went two for three with a double. He's batting 393. Austin Hayes, four for five with three doubles on Thursday. Robbie Grossman's bet, uh, hit three for five. Now has 13 hits over his last seven games. Doesn't have any home runs or steals, but he's batting 327. Kind of an odd line for Robbie Grossman right now. And then Andrew McCutcheon went three for four, hit his first home run of the season. Uh, Scott, is there one or two standouts for you from that group? Brandon Marsh, Ben Intendi, Austin Hayes, Grossman, McCutcheon. Yeah, I have a couple actually on my top 10 sleeper hitters for this week, including Marsh, because the Angels are in line to face six right-handers, so he's not going to have much interference interference from Joe Adele this week. And, and yeah, he's been, you know, it's kind of like, it's a similar profile to Alec Bohm. I, not doesn't make as much contact as Bohm, but it's hard contact. Is it in the air? Does he put it in the air enough to deliver the power numbers we're looking for? Well, Marsh also has some speed to fall back on. So I, I would say that roster rate needs to be continuing to rise. Understanding he's a platoon player and you may have to pick your spots with him. Uh, let's see who else, you know, I, you know, I considered Grossman and Benintendi and I may slot one or the other in to these top 10 sleeper hitters. When I look at it again, it's not completely written yet. Uh, but obviously neither one, you know, they're hot, but it's non home run type of hits. And that's of course going to be the case for both of them I, I think it's going to continue to be the case I do have Austin Hayes in my top 10 sleeper hitters for this week I'd like the Orioles matchups I also have his teammate I don't know if you Chris talked about him yesterday but Anthony Santander yep we did uh, he's he's high on the sleeper list for this upcoming week because I like those Orioles matchups yeah he's he's rocking the specs now Scott I don't know if you saw it he's, he's wearing the glasses Anthony Santander so yeah if I don't, has that been going on all season? I, I I know I caught somebody tweeting about it yesterday. I, I don't know. I I don't know if it's been all season. It's definitely been at least recently, but it would make sense if the vision been. appears to be improved. He's already <laughs> yeah. more than halfway to his career high in walks. Right. And if that's something he can continue, like that was the big other than staying healthy. He hasn't been able to stay healthy, but uh, plate discipline was the big issue for him. Put the bat on the ball a lot. Put it in the air a lot. If if he if he walks a lot or at least a decent amount, 
I, I could see him having a breakthrough season. Again, that is Anthony Santander. Scott, would you put Taylor Ward and Randall Gritchick ahead of all the outfielders we just mentioned? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because those are really the ones that have really popped uh, the past week or so. So again, Taylor Ward, Randall Gritchick, they're ahead of this group, but Brandon Marsh, we'll talk about him again a little bit later on when we get to Scott's week five sleepers, but someone you should be paying attention to right now. I don't want to talk about Eric Hosmer every single day. I feel like I've done that this week. <laughs> I mean, he just keeps hitting, right? So I will quickly mention he went two for four, is now batting 415 on the young season. He's 41% rostered and has six games next week. One other name here, Scott, Gio Urshela went three for five with a run and an RBI on Thursday, multiple hits in three of his last four games. He's batting 321, which is great. OPS, not so great, 770. But he's only 30% rostered, Gio Urshela, and he has dual eligibility, third base and shortstop. I just feel like this number should be a little bit higher than 30%. What do you think? I don't know. I mean, he's been just a singles guy. Like, almost literally, he has one extra base hit. It was a home run. And he seemed like an obvious casualty of the new dead in baseball last year after a couple years where his power production was halfway decent. He puts the bat on the ball a lot, but I, I don't know. I I think I think he's fine if you if you need a fill in option. Let me see the Twins. The Twins actually have the most favorable hitter matchups of any team this week, and yet I didn't seriously consider Gio Urshela <laughs> for my top ten sleeper hitter. So what does that tell you? All right, uh, I I do like his lineup context too. He's batted fourth or fifth in basically every game. Eventually, Carlos Correa and Jorge Polanco should come around. And when they do, I think there'll be some RBI opportunities for Gio Urshela. If you play in a categories league, Harrison Bader is only 33% rostered. He went two for three with his fifth steal. Obviously, steals are pretty hard to come by. Uh, so if you play in a categories league, look for Harrison Bader. He's got seven games next week. And for those in deeper leagues, really deep leagues, Mike Moustakis returned on Thursday. He went two for three with a walk, RBI, and two runs scored. He is 20% rostered fantasy baseball today is here to help you dominate your league all season long but now you can represent your favorite podcast with official fantasy baseball today gear only found on the cbs sports store discover t-shirts mugs sweatpants laser engraved pint glasses hats water bottles and more to remind your buddies how you got the inside scoop to crush the competition right now fantasy baseball today listeners will get 20 percent off orders when they use this podcast exclusive code code fantasy baseball 20 during checkout that's fantasy baseball 20 and it's only available for our listeners head over to store.cbsports.com slash collections slash fantasy baseball today yes that is a very long link it is in the podcast and youtube description so you can find it there and if you want to hear the latest on top prospects you can listen to our saturday episode of fantasy baseball today in five that's our five minute podcast which we have Monday through Saturday here uh, and download and follow wherever you listen to this podcast. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be back right after this. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. 
Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. News and notes. And we've already talked about this, but once again, the Royals announced Thursday, Adalberto Mondesi diagnosed with a torn ACL, and he will miss the rest of the season. Scott, I feel like if Nick Prado or MJ Melendez were doing anything of note in the minors, they probably would be close to being called up right now but they're just not. Yeah. And that's not something we've talked about much either is for all that's all, all the, the hitting struggles we've seen in the majors so far. Seen a lot in the minors too. A lot of the top hitting prospects. Uh, we were, we were, you and I were discussing some of them before we started recording here. O'Neill Cruz, both the Royals guys, uh, Anthony Volpe of the Yankees, Jose Miranda, more more top hitting prospects than not are off to really really miserable starts in the minors which i i you know i i honestly haven't heard if some of the changes that were made in the majors were also made in the minors like what ball they're using in the minors i would doubt there's a humidor at every park in the minors that seems unlikely so i, I kind of find that encouraging that you know maybe it has more to do with temperature and the short spring training and everything if it's if it's also happening in the minors like it is in the majors and i don't have the macro stats but you know just considering that that many top hitting prospects are struggling i i imagine i imagine we're seeing a similar trend in the minors with offense being down we've heard this before but tony larusa is hopeful that luis robert will return to the lineup on friday vladimir guerrero jr missed thursday's game after fouling a ball off his foot Wednesday night, x-rays were negative, thankfully. Jose Altuve will begin a rehab assignment at AAA Sugarland, one of my favorite minor league team names. That is just awesome. Uh, this weekend and is expected to I, return. I think, they, I think they changed it from the Skeeters, though. It's no longer the Sugarland Skeeters, which was like, oh, what, what's the point? Is it Space Cowboys now? Something like that. Yeah, they, I know they changed it, which the Astros, they yeah. purchased that affiliate. Like, it seems like you did it for the name, right? Like Sugarland Skeeters. It's iconic at this point. <laughs> yeah, they are now the Sugarland Space Cowboys. Unbelievable. Uh, you Sickening. know what? 
Unbelievable. Wrong. You're right, Scott. <laughs> How could they? Nolan, uh, by the way, Altuve is going to return on Monday if all goes well. Nolan Arenado has been issued a two-game suspension for his role in that benches clearing brawl on Wednesday against the Mets. We have some updates on those injured starting pitchers. Jack Flaherty advanced to throwing off flat ground from 240 feet on Wednesday. He remains without a timetable dealing with that shoulder injury. Chris Sale threw seven pitches during a bullpen session this week. He's on the IL with a stress stress fracture in his right rib cage. It's also just a very random amount, seven pitches in a bullpen session. All right. Hope he's all right. Lance Lynn is progressing in his throwing program and could return by the end of May. J.D. Martinez was held out of the out of Thursday's lineup after he aggravated his adductor injury. Doesn't sound great for an older gentleman like J.D. Martinez. Chris Bryant has now missed three straight games due to back stiffness. Also doesn't sound great for somebody who's dealt with a lot of injuries in his career already. Bailey Ober was removed from his start Thursday due to right groin tightness. Mitch Hanniger took part in a pregame workout on Thursday, but has yet to be officially activated from the COVID IL. He's apparently not feeling 100%. I mentioned him on yesterday's podcast as a buy low candidate. His StatCast expected numbers are amazing right now. So I would take advantage of this absence for Mitch Hanniger and... Try and buy low. Stephen Kwan has missed four straight games due to that hamstring injury. Nick Lodolo, this one came out of nowhere, placed on the IL with a lower back strain, but is expected to return next weekend against the Pirates, so they're hoping for the minimum stay there. Will Myers placed on the IL with a right thumb contusion. Matt Beattie has started two straight games. Miguel Sano tweaked his knee on Tuesday night and has been receiving treatment. He did not play Wednesday or Thursday. Ken Giles has been cleared to resume throwing. He's on the IL with a tendon injury in his right middle finger. Scott, do you think Ken Giles is worth a stash in deeper categories leagues right now? He's only 14% rostered. If you have IL space to stash him, it's a fine idea. I'm I'm not confident he's going to be a solitary closer at any point. It just doesn't seem like the Mariners want to go in that direction. But he seems the most likely candidate to become that once he's healthy, presuming nobody else has become that by that point. Andres Munoz, I mean, he is fun to yeah. watch, and he's been working the ninth inning recently. But who knows? Maybe uh, maybe it'll be him. That, that would be the one who's most likely, if not Giles. Yeah, I guess Munoz would be the one to most likely get it before Giles even has a chance. Jordan Hicks is expected to start Sunday after leaving Tuesday's start with a wrist contusion. Ryan Mountcastle should return to the lineup Friday against the Red Sox. Actually, speaking of Ryan Mountcastle, Scott, I got a good question on Wednesday night. Would you drop Ryan Mountcastle for Eric Hosmer, the way that Hosmer is playing right now? Look, you know Ryan Mountcastle was like my number one bust pick coming into the season. So with that in mind, I actually don't have a problem with that. I'm not saying it's a must move or anything because I'm not a big believer in Hosmer, but uh, Hosmer's more playable right now. I feel like, no, I have mentioned the Orioles have good matchups this upcoming week. They are, however, at home for the entire week. And you know what? I haven't seen any data about how it's the dimensions, the new dimensions are playing at Camden Yards, but um, I st- it's still not a good thing for a right-handed hitter, no matter how they've played so far. I know Chris mentioned on yesterday's podcast that Trey Mancini has been robbed of at least one home run because of the new dimension. So I'd have to look more into it. And I think somewhere in there, Scott, you gave Eric Hosmer a compliment. So we're going to count that. We're going to count that for, uh, you know, I, I featured him in, 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 uh, what day 
Thursday, oh, yeah, Thursday's waiver wire column as one of a potential pickup. No, I don't believe that he's breaking out, but there is there is the the one clear change in, in his profile where he's pulling the ball a lot more, particularly in the air. And and that's one way you can potentially make up for a lack of natural power is just by making sure your fly balls are pulled. So if there is a path for him to have a breakthrough season, that's it. And I don't mind picking him up as a, like a hot hand play and just seeing where it goes. You don't have to fully buy into it yet. Obviously I want to prior- prioritize a Hosmer over a Taylor Ward or, you know, Randall Grichik, who I, I still have no idea why Randall Grichik is available in a third of all CBS sports leagues, but for some reason he is. All right. Yeah, Hosmer's not up with them, but I, I could see picking him up. All right, let's move on to week five. The schedule is pretty spread out for next week. We have three teams with five games. That it, Those are the Cubs, the Rangers, and the Dodgers. 15 teams that have six games next week, 11 teams that have seven games, and one lucky team has eight games. That is the New York Mets. Before we get into two-star pitchers to add and stream, Scott, who are some of those two-star options that are on the fringe right now? Well, I want to mention, I doubt anybody's considering sitting Joe Ryan, but he is a two-star pitcher this week, and his matchups are at Baltimore versus Oakland. So he's actually my number one ranked two-star pitcher this week, Joe Ryan, who was off to a tremendous start, had his best start yet last time out. And yeah, those matches are amazing. So he's ahead of some bigger names like Pablo Lopez, Alec Manoa, Dylan Cease. Not that they're, you know, obviously they're all must-starts themselves. I would also say Mackenzie Gore is must-start at Cleveland versus Miami. Zach Gallen, I never thought I'd be saying this at the end of April. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, he's a must-start, two-start. He's a yeah must-start, two-start pitcher against the Marlins and against the Rockies in Arizona. Patrick Sandoval, I would also say is a must start pitcher coming off his best start of the year. He hits the white Sox and the nationals. I want to go as far as to call Carlos Carrasco must start coming off uh, that Rocky outing last time. His matchups are the Braves and the Phillies pretty rough, but you know, most people who have him should probably start him. Ranger Suarez he finally went six innings in his latest start, still having some control issues, but I think he's trending the right direction. His matchups are against the Rangers and Mets. I would call him an advisable start, less than must start, but advisable. So I, I there was a, a, a lot of people after Charlie Morton's last start uh, wanting to know what's up on Twitter and you know, expressing their displeasure in no uncertain terms with Charlie Morton and what he's done for them so far. And I, I told them, look, you can sit him if you want. You can't drop him. And I stand by that. Except for maybe the sitting part, because it turns out he has two starts this week. And I get it if you're in a categories league and you just want to be really protective of your ratios. Okay, Charlie Morton could do could end up doing twice the damage with two starts. And it's, it's a risk. But it, like his next start could be the start where it all clicks for him too. In which case, I, I think in a points league, especially, 
You just got to cross your fingers and slot them in there. So uh, I'm fine starting Charlie Morton. And yeah, yeah, we can we can go on to the the potential sleeper pickups now, I think. You know, Scott, the way you were describing Charlie Morton, that really sounds like our fortune favors the brave two-star pitcher of the week. <laughs> I don't think it's just the brave who has to do it, though. I don't know. I mean, we don't. We haven't really. Have we pinned down exactly what the fortune favors the brave pick is? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> I, I might describe Herman Marquez, who, who you know, I, last week we were talking about him as a two-star pitcher. Obviously, didn't happen. He's a two-star pitcher again, and has been pretty terrible so far this year. But we know the story with Herm- Herman Marquez, where it can turn around very suddenly, and he has two starts, hopefully for real this time, and. No way I'd do that in a categories league. I probably want to do it in a points league either. But if you're the kind of person who just has to maximize the number of starts on your roster, I would call Herman Marquez the fortune favors the brave pick of the week. Oof. All right. I can tell you what. I'm sure that my dad will put him in the lineup because uh, my dad in our home league, he he's notorious for... He will pick up any two-star pitcher and just throw him in the lineup. He doesn't. He it, it could yeah, be some people play that way. It could be Scott White making two starts. My dad is picking you up. He's throwing you in the lineup, Scott. Bad so. idea. Bad idea. Uh, while we're talking about all these, who are other two-star pitchers you're looking to add and use for next week? Drew Rasmussen's the big one coming off that brilliant effort effort against the Mariners. He gets the Mariners again this week and also gets the Athletics. I'm going to call the Mariners a pretty good matchup. I know they scored a lot of runs so far, but athletics definitely are. And uh, yeah, hopefully he can keep it going with that slider cutter combo that he was. And those pitches were both moving all over the place in his last start. Got a ton of whiffs with him. So he's, he's the top choice to pick up Bailey Ober would be, but he left today's start with uh, what was it? A groin injury. So I'm it's they're calling him day to day for now, but you know, wouldn't surprise me if he went on the IL. So keep an eye on that. But I like I like his two matchups next week if if they do say he's going to make his next turn. Uh Jordan Montgomery might be available in a few leagues at Toronto versus Texas. Some matchups on opposite ends there. But he's he's usually pretty decent. If you're just looking to get an extra start in your lineup, Dakota Hudson, who started here on Thursday and had another strong six inning performance. I believe now he's allowed a total Dakota Hudson has of see if I can find it real quick. I thought I had his page open here. I think he's allowed like a total of three hits in his last two starts. No runs. So, you know, he's, I, I don't think there's a ton of upside there, but he's he's been remarkably good at, good at keeping runs off the board during his brief career and gets a lot of ground balls. And his matchups this week are against the Royals and the Giants, opposite ends of the spectrum there. But I would say in points leagues, especially Dakota Hudson's one you can look at. And and this one's, this one's digging really deep. Jake Junis, I'm not sure it'll technically be two starts it might technically be zero starts because he follows an opener but he's thrived in that role for the Giants so far they have him throwing his slider a ton which has always been his best pitch and he's only rostered in four percent of leagues lines up for two turns whether it's as a bulk reliever or a starter 
So in points leagues, he's somebody who you could look at as well. All right. My fortune favors the brave or bold two-star pitcher of the week is Michael Waka, who <laughs> has pitched well thus, thus far. I've got his Fangraphs page open. It's not looking too good here, but the matchups, he is going up against the White Sox and the Angels. So one good one right now, White Sox are not hitting. Uh, so that's an okay matchup. And then the Angels are basically hitting everybody. So if you are brave enough, Michael Walk is the name for you. Some single start streamers. Scott, who you got for next week? Not as many of those, but I will highlight a couple for you here. We have Tarek Skubal, who was not great. Well, a lot of these pitchers started just today, right? Or was Tarek Skubal yesterday? No, that was, oh, was that was Thursday. Was today. Yep. So yeah, kind of took a step back today. Allowed six runs, only three of them earned in five innings. Didn't get the the strikeouts we saw in the previous starts. Um, I think he's still figuring out his pitch mix. I'd like to see him throw the changeup more because it's gotten a lot of whiffs. The little bit he's thrown it. His matchup against the Pirates, so he's probably the best one start option who might be available in your league. Seventy nine percent rostered. That's kind of really close to the threshold there. Aaron Ashby, I think he's supposed to make another turn. The Brewers are going six man right now, and and obviously he looked pretty good on Wednesday. Too many walks, but only one hit allowed. And hopefully he's trending the right direction. He gets the Reds, who've just been horrible so far. Horrible. Uh, and then Michael Lorenzen against the Nationals, I think is an okay. Honestly, I'm not that excited about any of these choices, but it's one of those weeks for the sleeper pitchers. All right, Michael Lorenzen uh, also has SPARP eligibility, as does Aaron Ashby. So if you're playing a points league and you're looking for a SPARP, both of those names are widely available. The best hitter matchups for next week. Scott mentioned the Twins earlier, then the Astros, the Orioles, the Angels, and the Rockies. The worst hitter matchups, the Cubs, the Rangers, the Guardians, the Dodgers, and the Padres. With that being said, Scott, who are your sleeper hitters for Week 5? Well, you notice the Mets weren't included among those best hitter matchups, even though they're playing eight games. Facing some tough pitchers in those eight games. Not saying you should bench all your Mets or anything, but thought it was worth noting. So Taylor Ward, of course, is the number one sleeper hitter for this week. You did mention the Angels among the teams with the best matchups. And frankly, I'd want to get Ward in my lineup either way because he's just been... He's been good all along, but especially since moving to the leadoff spot, already a two-homer game already in a separate game where he was a single short of the cycle. He's walking a ton. I think he's got to be in everybody's lineup right now. I probably should hesitate to say that because I'm sure some people are starting like three top 20 outfielders. Maybe not in one of those lineups, but somebody in your league should have Taylor Ward in their lineup. Andrew Vaughn, pretty good matchups for the White Sox this week, and, and his playing time issues are behind him now that Aloy Jimenez is hurt. I mentioned Anthony Santander a little further down on this list. Austin Hayes with the Orioles facing the Twins and Royals in seven games. I like the Twins matchups themselves. Max Kepler uh, had a two-homer game the other day. He's made some changes to his approach that might allow him to, to be fantasy relevant again. He's always done a pretty good job of making contact, so it's a question of how much power he contributes. But the Twins have the best matchups of all this week. Five of the seven pitchers on the schedule are righties. 
and, and that's also why I have Luis Arias on here, who tends to sit against lefties, but is off to a good start with the batting average. Can't say that about many players across the entire league right now. Randall Grichik's on here, of course. I feel like he's a staple. Uh, Yuli Gurriel, if he's available in your league, and he is in about a quarter of leagues, I think that needs to change. And I think that pretty much covers it. Brandon Marsh, who we mentioned earlier, because the Angels have six righties on the schedule, so you could get him in your lineup as well. Max Kepler is someone I'm especially interested in. Looking at his StatCast page, the exit velocity is higher than ever before. His barrel rate, higher than ever before. 302 XBA, 607 expected slug for So that must Max have Kepler. just changed with the two-homer game because I was writing him up in waiver wire. And of course, this, the, the, this StatCast numbers don't update in real time. They only update the next day. Mm-hmm. But basically what both he and Rocco Baldelli, the Twins manager, were saying after that two-homer game, and he homered the day before as well, was that he's doing a better job of swinging with intent, which I interpreted to mean taking a bigger cut like on pitches that are in his wheelhouse, like just trying to clobber them uh, when maybe in the past he would do more of a controlled swing. And, you know, it, it sounds it sounds like that could be what's going on for Max Kepler. Of course, so early in the season, hard to know if it's going to stick. But there may be something there. I mean, in, in 2019, he hit 36 home runs, right? So it's something we've seen him do before. All right. While we're talking about hitters, Scott, would you bench any of these in week five? The struggle is real right now for Joey Votto. Five straight hitless games. He's batting 129. Strikeouts are way up. Ground balls are way up. Uh, Brian Reynolds, three more strikeouts on Thursday. His strikeout rate is 31%. And then Jared Kelnick, 0 for 3, one strikeout. He's batting 140. Scott, what do you think about benching any or all of Votto, Brian Reynolds, Jared Kelnick right now? I would be most hesitant to bench Reynolds of the three. But Votto, Kelnick, I mean, if, if you have quality alternatives. I'm totally fine with benching them. All right. Uh, let's get back over to uh, some waiver wire pitchers. I wanted to mention Dakota Hudson was on this list. You talked about him. Chris Flexen, three straight quality starts. Scott, I know he is in line for two starts next week. However, they are against the Tampa Bay Rays and at the Houston Astros. So we're probably staying away on Chris Flexen, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Brad Keller is another one. You know, all three of these pitchers, Hudson, Flexen, Keller, they're Kind of similar where like they pitch to contact and they do a good job of limiting hard contact, but they're not very exciting overall. Brad Keller has three quality starts uh, in his four starts that he's made. Seven innings, one run, three strikeouts on Thursday. He's getting a lot of ground balls. Scott, any interest in Brad Keller next week against the Cardinals? No, I don't think so. I'm not saying we'll never have a, a desire to stream him this year. But I think a one-start week with, you know, just kind of a middle-of-the-road matchup, I, I think you can do better. All right, how about these names in deeper leagues who stood out from Thursday? Reed Detmers now has put together two solid starts in a row. Uh, Nick Martinez, five innings of two-run ball against the Reds. Jose Quintana, 
just kind of out of nowhere. Five innings, one run, nine strikeouts to zero walks against the Brewers. Austin Gomber has posted back-to-back quality starts, both of them on the road. And then Martin Perez was perfect through six innings against the Houston Astros. He wound up seven innings, one run, four strikeouts. Scott, in deeper leagues, Detmers, Nick Martinez, Quintana, Gomber, Martin Perez. Anything on those five? I can find very little to say positive about those five. I mean, I mean, it was a great start for Quintana. He got the nine strikeouts. He got a ton of whiffs on uh, on on three different pitches, especially the changeup. But like, where did it come from? Was he doing anything different? I I can't see anything there. And and obviously, it's it's been a few years since Jose Quintana has been fantasy relevant. So. Uh, I'll need to see him do this another turn or two before I can start to buy into it. Uh, Martin Perez, kind of the same way. He's not allowing hits. Back-to-back two-hit outings. But, again, I'm not, I'm not seeing a lot there that tells me he's, he's a, a changed pitcher rather than a pitcher who just happened to have two good starts. And, of course, Reed Detmers is the highest upside of this group. But, and, and you mentioned he had a decent start on Thursday, not really showing any of that upside this year. I mean, he was a strikeout machine in the minors last year. But largely it was on the strength of his curveball. It's supposed to be this elite pitch. And it has not played like that this year. His breaking balls, neither one of them is getting any whiffs. And he, he actually threw his fastball 53% of the time. In this one, I don't know that that's going to be a formula for a, a formula for success for Reed Detmers. So, I don't see much reason to be encouraged by this start. The only thing I've noticed with Jose Quintana, his changeup usage is way up this year, thirty-two percent entering Thursday's start. That's never been higher than fifteen percent in his career, and it's been his best whiff pitch this season. So, something that he's using more, and he's getting whiffs on it. Uh, I don't think well, he got whiffs on it in this start. He and his his swinging strike rate coming into this start was eight percent. Right. Uh, let me pull up and see what it what it's been on just the changeup. I don't think you need to add him, but I, I think he's just someone who's on the radar. He also has uh, Sparp eligibility for those who play in points leagues. Uh, Quintana's swinging strike rate on the changeup this year is twelve point eight percent, which eh, it's okay. It's not amazing or anything like that. Scott, would you start or sit Tyler Malley, who's been kind of blah since his opening day start on Thursday, five and a third innings, three runs, five strikeouts. Uh, He is at the Milwaukee Brewers next week. I don't think he's an automatic start, but he's not an automatic sit either. It just depends what else you have. The Reds have won three games this year for what it's worth. So... They're not, he's not getting any favors there from his supporting cast. Not that he's pitched particularly well. You know, once they started selling off all their pieces, I thought about putting in a wager on their under, the Reds, their season-long win under, and uh, I didn't do it. <laughs> feel pretty dumb right now. I probably should have done that. You know what's funny? They have three wins. One was saved by Tony Santian. One was saved by Art Warren. One was saved by Lucas Sims. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Funny how that works, huh? David Bell. Thanks, bud. Uh, Some hitting standouts from Thursday. Manny Machado went four for five with a double. He is batting 395 with an OPS over 1,000. 
one of the few hitters actually hitting right now. Aaron Judge went two for five with his fifth home run of the season. He added four RBI. I was at the game on Thursday, and I could tell everybody to not go to baseball games in the Northeast in (laughs) April because they're very cold, and they're not very enjoyable because of the weather. It was a fun game. The Yankees won, but by the way, the Orioles, you know that they're bad, but watching them live, they are they're really bad. Uh, Jorge Mateo, he had like two or three errors in that game. They had five errors overall as a team. They are just woof. Listen, not good. They've won twice as many games as the Reds. So <laughs> knock it off. Uh, all right. Austin Riley went one for five with his fifth home run. Paul Goldschmidt went three for four. He now has multiple hits in six of his last seven games. The batting average is up to 296. And Dansby Swanson went two for three with a sock and a shoe. His first home run, his second steal of the season. We've been waiting to see a little something out of uh, Dansby Swanson. He's got seven games next week on the schedule, so hopefully he can keep it rolling. The call to the bullpen for the Padres. Taylor Rogers allowed a hit, but picked up his seventh save of the season. For the Pirates, David Bednar entered in the eighth inning, up two to one. He faced the heart of the lineup. Chris Stratton comes in in the ninth inning. He gives up four hits, two runs, and takes the loss. I wonder how long this... I really think it's just an arbitration situation here, Scott, where the Pirates don't want to use Bednar as their closer because then they'll probably have to pay him more in arbitration, but... Well, I mean, you mentioned Bednar faced the heart of the lineup. Right. They've, they've, they've gone back and forth with the saves. Yeah. I think it's... I think the two clearest bullpen tandems in baseball right now are the Royals and the Pirates. Like if anybody's going to emerge to be the sole closer in Pittsburgh, it's got to be Bednar. And more outings like this from Stratton will make it happen. But I'm I'm not ready to predict it's going to happen because of this outing. You know. Yeah. The answer is probably to just let him pitch the eighth and the ninth inning because it's not really working for Chris Stratton right now. For the Marlins, Cole Solcer picked up his first save with Anthony Bender working two days in a row. For the Astros, Rafael Montero gave up a solo homer but picked up his first save. Ryan Stanek got the save on Wednesday night. For the Royals, Josh Stalman entered the eighth inning with a one-run lead. He faced the five, six, and seven in the lineup. He gave up two hits in earned run that led to a tie game. Scott Barlow pitched in the ninth, and then Taylor Clark picked up the save in extra innings. For the Blue Jays, Jordan Romano allowed a hit. He now has nine saves. Scott, it's crazy. It's like the closers, the elite closers are kind of separating themselves right now. Josh Hader has 10 saves on the season. Jordan Romano has nine. That is just, I mean, that's more than some of my Roto teams total right now. <laughs> just those I did two not guys. realize, I did not realize Hader got his total up that high. That's, it's crazy. I knew Romano was off to that kind of start, but yeah, I mean, most... They're they're def- <laughs> those two are definitely distancing themselves from everyone else. And did you mention in here that Devin? I mean, Hater's been used so much recently. Devin Williams had to get the save. Yeah, here on Thursday and struck out the side. I mean, he'd be a great closer for many teams, but sure would. Brewers obviously don't need him in that role. Yeah, I I did this on a few of my roto teams this year, Scott. But I I'm really starting to lean into get at least one lockdown closer on your. Roto category teams, and then I guess just try and figure out the rest later. Uh, I did that on my yeah. main event team. I got a manual class A. It's not really working out so well early on. Well, that's on. the thing. Like, who who really is a lockdown? I mean, are you just saying a guy who 
is known to have exclusivity in the role. Yeah. At the start of the year, which would have included Mark Melanson, but you know, correct. Yeah. Maybe maybe you exclude him on principle. I mean, I mean, part of the issue with that approach. I mean, part of the issue, the biggest part of the issue with that approach is in the is in the industry leagues. They got moved up to like round three, right? So you're giving up an MVP caliber batter, a Cy Young caliber arm, yeah, to get a a save source basically. Uh, so that's the biggest issue with that. But the the second issue with that is. There's a lot of turnover in that role, you know, yep. like, of course, guys like Chapman and Kimbrell and Jansen have done it year after year, but they're pretty rare. I guess Hader is, is, is you, you could have that kind that level of trust in him, but you know, even Liam Hendricks, yep. he's only done it a couple years. He's off to a bad start this year. Yeah. I think he'll be fine, but I can't say it with a hundred percent certainty. Yeah, no, it's fair. It's there was really eight or nine guys, Scott, and it kind of ended with Chapman. I was worried about, but you knew the role was going to be there for him. Kenley Jansen is still a lockdown closer. Um, Ryan Presley, who's injured now, but yeah, there was like eight or nine. And usually in my category leagues, I tried to get at least one and then figure out the, the rest later. Uh, and I think that's going to be the approach uh, for for the time being. What else do we have here? The Red Sox. Matt Barnes pitched in the eighth inning down one zip. He faced the heart of the lineup, four, five, and six. Hansel Robles then pitched in the ninth inning. Red Sox bullpen's kind of a mess right now. And the Angels, Rysel Iglesias. Ah, yes, he's another one of those. He picked up his fifth save of the season. To stream or not to stream for the weekend. Let's start with Friday. Eliezer Hernandez versus the Mariners. Madison Bumgarner at the Cardinals. Tyler Anderson versus the Tigers. Rich Hill at the Orioles and Adrian Hauser versus the Cubs. I don't want any of them, <laughs> but if you're making me, uh, probably Hauser against the Cubs would be my first choice. Hernandez against the Mariners, as much as they've been striking out, that might go okay. But yeah, it's not it's not a great selection. All right, let's move to Saturday. Cole Irvin versus the Guardians. Chris Archer at the Tampa Bay Rays for his revenge game. Bryce Elder at the Rangers. Dane Dunning versus the Braves. Taiwan Walker versus the Phillies. Chad Cool versus the Reds. I guess it's just not a good weekend to stream, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is an even worse group than the last one. I don't know that I want to be associated with any of these names. Ah. Uh... Chad Cool against the Reds? Question mark? <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Uh, how bad are Cle- is Cleveland against lefties? They are 23rd and weighted on base average. Eh, that warrants an okay for Cole Irvin, but don't feel great about it. For Sunday, we've got Daniel Lynch versus the Yankees, Nick Pavetta at the Orioles, Chris Paddock at the Rays, Mitch Keller versus the Padres, Michael Lorenzen <laughs> at the White Sox and Jordan Hicks versus the Diamondbacks. Is Jordan Hicks okay? He left his last start with an injury. Yeah, he's going to start on Sunday. I guess him then. I I, I don't want to recommend Mitch Keller again. Lorenzen. Lorenzen's the one. The White Sox cannot hit right now. They are 30th uh, in Woba against righties. Okay. Okay. I'm with you, Frank. Yes, two. I'm with you, Franks, in one podcast. With that, we're going to wrap it up. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye-bye.
Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. men's national team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time, just like me. And also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Viore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger and don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viori.com sports. That's V-U-O-R-I dot sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viori.com sports and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. 